0: Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. We're back um, after outrageously missing the last few weeks, not doing a World Cup podcast when we said we would because we're just too busy, too busy watching the World Cup, being there. We'll get to that. Um, But football is back, Premier League football is back, Arsenal back, Josh is back. Hi, Josh. Boy, great to be back.
1: I've missed you, I've missed this podcast. Yeah. I feel like you did contribute to a... ...different podcast. Is that is that right, during the talk? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I did the, um... Well, I did the World Cup... Yeah, Whistleblowers, um...
1: Yeah. I sent thing. an update or two, I think, from, uh... Yeah. From Qatar. So... Yeah.
0: I dare say there's a lot of content out there. I'm sure people. Yeah, can. our voices were heard. If you and you know, there's this, I did my pilot TV podcast. We did a special yesterday, Boxing Day. Was it Boxing Day? yesterday? No, the day before. God, I can't remember where the fuck what the fuck day is. Obviously. Um, so yeah, our vo- it's not like our voices have been have been not been available. But this is the real thing. This is the return of footballistically Arsenal, like Arsene Wenger coming down from on high finally to arrive back at the Emirates. Um, we'll talk so- about that. Yeah, yeah, go we Introduce our guests and then I want to get back yes, to you. Yes, I'm Wenger. going to. Our lovely special, special regular guest is Ricky Lawrence. Hi, Ricky. Hi, guys. How did so, you yeah, feel? Was, I'm going to start with Venga. Yeah, thank you. Thank Thanks, you man. Too. I'm going to start. How did you feel when you saw. Sorry, go on, Josh. I've got to get straight in on Venga. Yeah, get straight <laughs> in on Venga. I'm getting straight in on Venga. How did you <laughs> feel was, when was you having saw having Space?
1: Christmas, I was having a Christmas Boxing Day walk. Around the mean streets of oh. Totteridge. In fact, i would just taken of my daughter. You
0: are, you are Vinger's main neighbour slash stalker in Totteridge. We should say that, yeah. My daughter has a, uh, a slightly strange
1: uh, hobby. She's nearly two of uh, of seeing the trains. Right, so so a fairly cheap activity is going along to Totteridge and Whetstone uh, station, sitting there on the platform for 15, 20 minutes, looking at, you know waiting for trains, we wave at the drivers um And then we leave the station. Oh, um, your daughter. You hold on. Your yeah. daughter is a train enthusiast. Yes, yeah. that is brilliant. Yes. And it's she's to not too. That. She's absolutely. So she 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 says choo 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 choo, and uh, we negotiate on like. How soon we'll go to uh, Totteridge and Whetstone train station. Other train stations are available, but that is her preferred station yeah. of choice. Comfortable yeah. uh, bench on the platform. Uh, Woodside Park does offer the bridge uh, facility, but then you can't sit. So you you know you mm. you make your choice. Yeah. I exit uh, Totteridge and Whetstone station the other day, uh, where my wife had then joined us, and we are walking for about twenty seconds, and um, my wife nudges me. And I'm I'm like, you know, daydream. wife nudges me and was like, that was arson. Awesome. That was awesome. Oh. We just walked past the great man, turn around. It was him with, you know, uh, I think his ex-wife and, and daughter, who seemingly were also at the game. Yeah. We then go into the park. And she was like, would you have said hello? And I'm like, maybe. I think I'd have wanted to say hello, but he's with his family. So maybe maybe you wouldn't. And she was like, what would you talk to him about? And I was like, I'd love to know when he'll come back to the stadium. I promise you, this is a conversation, where I, I would love to know when he'll come back to the stadium because it's been such a long time and, you know, the team are doing well. It would be a nice time to come back. And I wish I'd asked him. I'd love the idea I, that I would have asked him.
0: I, I thought what you were going to say back. was, I thought the end of that story was going to be, so I plucked up the courage to ask him. I said, Darsen, no, no. when are you going to come back to the stadium? And he said, oh, hold on, Josh. Maybe, maybe I will come back this week. And maybe you inspired. No. I thought the story I was... what you- he would
1: have said. Would you have told me? Would you have said, actually, it's funny you say that. I'm, I'm no. Not. Uh, but that didn't happen. That was what went through my uh, mind. And then I thought it was, you know, amazing seven, eight hours later when, uh, when he was there. And I-, I wasn't aware until they showed it on the big screen, as I'm sure... Mm. I don't know. I presume
0: people on Twitter must have realised, but I hadn't really. Yeah. Looked at my phone. Well, they showed you,
1: it. You were watching at home were you.
0: Watched? I was watching watching at home. Yeah, I didn't get to the game unfortunately. Um, but on a Prime Video, they they spotted him after about after a couple of minutes, and they showed him. They showed a close up of him, and funnily enough, um, the commentator said John Champion said, "Um, oh, well, this is. I think this is the first time he's been back," and and Ali McCoy, the the world's greatest uh, co-commentator said, are you really? He could not believe it. And it's funny, isn't it, how all Arsenal fans know so well that he hasn't been back to the stadium and that and how that is a thing, you know, that, that has developed and all the various reasons for that. But it's interesting that outside, even someone as, you know, as as clued up as Ali McCoy, and I love him, but he had no idea. He was like, really? He hasn't been back at the stadium? And it does seem extraordinary when you consider how, you know, Ferguson... The, the kind of equivalent legend that Man was like back at the back at Old Trafford, every single game, you know, and the camera would cut to him every time they let in goals and all the calamities they have been through words thing has been an absolute absence through all this time. So it was extraordinary to see him there, Ricky, wasn't it? What was your, did you, what was your reaction when you saw him flashed up on the big screen?
2: So I guess semi, semi annoyingly, I actually looked at my phone. Mm. Um, I checked, I I'd sent a message to see what was up with the penalty because, from where I was sitting, it didn't look, didn't look like a penalty to West Ham, yeah. and someone had sent a message in my group to say Venger was Venger was here. So when he came up on the screen, it wasn't a, a shock, right. I guess. But I also think Arsenal did it timed it very well. They didn't show him until we went two one up. Yeah, so no one was because there was no sort of like, oh, this is great that Wenger's here, but we're losing, and so it was it was done very nicely, I guess.
0: Yeah, they showed him um, after the after the Saka disallowed goal. Which what a brilliant goal that was, by the way, the, the, and the and it was confusing that it was offside. It was really confusing because um, there was just a nick. It took that he took a nick, didn't it, off his foot that made it offside because he was they were in an offside position when he touched the ball inadvertently. Um, but they showed Venga as soon as that goal went in, and then you saw him telling his uh, ex-wife, "Oh no, it, VAR!" Like explaining that it was not going to. It was the goal was being disallowed. Um, that that queued you up, know, but it was. I thought it was brilliant timing by him and the club and whoever post-World Cup. Because I think we should say, I mean, everyone, I'm, I'm thrilled that he was there. And there were brilliant pictures afterwards of him hugging Bukayo Saka, etc., and other players. But we have to say that his reputation, I think, has rarely been as low before last night in terms of his FIFA job and the ludicrous things, some of the ludicrous things he said at the World Cup. And I think it was really good timing from that point of view that it makes us all forget that actually he is working for FIFA. And I just pray, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not slagging him off, but I'm just saying, well, I am slightly slagging him off. But I, I, I hope and pray that he gets some kind of position asked where he doesn't have to do that fucking FIFA job, Josh. Because it's really besmirching his reputation for me. I don't, I still love Arsene Wenger. And I think mm. I don't know what he'd have to do
1: for me to lose my love of Arsene Wenger. I still love him as well, of course. In. Yeah, um, some of those comments support a uh, world yeah, in
2: guitar. Would that be enough? Tush? Not
1: enough. <laughs> not um, enough. Yeah, some of those comments were, you know, slightly like you couldn't quite. Yeah, uh, I mean, brainwash might be going too far, but it felt like he, he drank the Kool Aid.
0: That's he's drunk the Kool Aid, is not he? When yeah. it comes to FIFA, it's uh, disappointing. Uh, influenced, um, let's
1: say, um, but it was great. It was great that no one knew and that mm. it was, you know, done, you know, on the hush. It was the third anniversary, wasn't it, of Mikel Artetis. You've got a manager there who doesn't feel any sense of pressure of anyone coming in. He came when Arsenal the top of the table. He came to a game where Arsenal were expected to probably win and it, you know, wasn't tense. And naively, I wonder if he came on a day where the Cronkies weren't going to be in the director's box as well. So yeah. I think everything together um, yeah. was just... Was just wonderful and perfect. And you now wonder, does it pave the way for a statue? Was this yeah. the first step? Yeah. Is there now that discussion? Because supposedly it has been a case where the club have have wanted to, to do the statue, but of course, you can't initiate that if the, you know, if there isn't going to be a recipient um, very happily to either be there on the day or soon after to acknowledge
0: it. So I really hope that's the discussion going on right now. I did see someone. On, uh, one of the football journalists saying he, that there was, that was definitely on the cards and that, that just the only discussion is, yeah, when and let's do it as soon as possible and all of that. It feels like, and I'm just, I'm just pleased that that whole issue has been, you know, dealt with and laid to rest. And as I say, I'd just much rather have got, got some kind of position at the club, so, you know, some kind of, I don't know, even if it's just symbolic Rick, I think it would be brilliant if you did.
1: But I I, just to jump in, I think he takes
0: that role at FIFA very seriously. The
1: development of of football is something (laughs) very pure to him, Um, and FIFA will take great pride in them making such a point that this was the first World Cup ever where there was at least one team from every continent who who advanced to the knockout stages. Mm. And in talking to a couple of the ex-players who have worked with Arsenal on this sort of FIFA global development and you know, ex-players who are sent out to different countries and smaller countries to lead on some of these programs, or at least be a face of them, and 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 go. They all say that he takes it incredibly seriously. He's so passionate and dedicated sure. to it, and believes in it. So I, I doubt that he's leaving that role anytime soon.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think
2: while it would probably be nice if he was back at Arsenal in some capacity, I can't really. I wouldn't. I don't think anyone's, you know, desperate for him to come back in a role where he is of great importance. Not No, necessarily. Oh, no. For him, but sure. I just don't think it's, it's needed, clearly not at the moment. And, yeah, I, just, I think, it'd be, you know, I'd rather he came back and everyone chanted his name and he got a round of applause and he got a statue and sort of, you know, off off he went back to his silly job at FIFA. Um <laughs> fair enough. Instead. Yes, fair enough. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's how it would work best at the moment. Yeah, that,
0: that, that's fair enough.
1: Saka had commented recently, yeah. somewhere, hadn't he, about never
0: meeting? Yeah, that's right, Wenger. Yeah.
1: And uh, that was really special. To yeah, I think it was to, that uh, one. It was one emotion. of the World Cup.
0: Yeah. yeah, it was one of the World Cup interviews. He said that. I think where he was. Where, uh I think it was Gabriel Clark interviewing him, and he talked about that a bit. I think that's my memory of anyway. Yeah, yeah. we. I mean, Eddie and I think Wenger gave him
1: his debut, right? Right. So right. something very lovely about that on the yeah. night where the question marks were going to be and him stepping into Gabriel Jesus' shoes, the, you know, one of Wenger's debutants. And it's all still being anchored by Granit Xhaka, who is the one remaining, yeah. you know, player from Wenger's time, who even in those days when he would get criticism, Wenger was incredibly loyal to. And it's nice that there's still some remnants there of um, of Wenger's time.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is... We should to talk about the game and, and where we are. I mean, we're all... The big question was what's going to happen after the World Cup, and you know how is anyone going to deal with, you know, all the players being away and the weird timing of it, and do you bring them all back into the team, etc. I mean, basically, apart from the fact that obviously Gabriel Jesus is injured and that is a mass, you know, a, a, have been a huge concern, but basically, Ricky, we started like we just picked up exactly where we left off. Like I know we obviously we went and went a goal down, we went a goal down in the first half, but in terms of the performance, it felt like. Nothing had changed really, and that's quite incredible, really, in a way, an incredible feat. Yeah, I I thought,
2: in a sense, it was almost our best performance of the season because mm. I think, not you know, I don't know about everyone else, but I uh, when when we beat Wolves and we knew we were going to be top at Christmas and going to the World Cup, being top, and it was great, and everyone was really happy about it. I think everyone forgot that you know we had to start again in you know on Boxing Day, and it came round again. It was like, oh okay, yeah, this is actually gonna be really hard, and hopefully we'll we'll keep going. Uh, obviously having lost Jesus and I think from the off I think we just we play really well after West Ham were poor they um I guess they sort of set up with some quite a few attacking players but very happy to just try and frustrate us and they probably were delighted to go in one nil no, up especially with their game plan kind of working obviously we had uh, the disallowed goal but other than that they were probably quite happy and to come out again in the second half and You know, I said to my friend who I sat with, no one would have seen us being three one up with 20 minutes to go. The fact that we could turn around and not only turn around, but turn around so quickly to give ourselves a two goal cushion was, I mean, I was was really, really impressed with, uh, it was just a brilliant performance overall, I think.
0: Yeah, it really was, wasn't it? And, you know, even, even, I think that, that disallowed goal, Josh, um, must have helped because I guess the big question the team selection was completely. I get you could say maybe Tierney Sinjenko was a was a question mark who who would start there. Um, but it was the rest of the team kind of picked itself, didn't it? Really, and, and Eddie. And the big question was what would happen with Eddie. And I think that, in a way, for me, like that disallowed goal because he did a lovely back heel, um, in the middle of that disallowed goal, which was a brilliant, would have been a fantastic goal if it hadn't been disallowed. I felt like gave him confidence didn't it? and I felt like he was showing off in a good way he was showing his skills and something that perhaps we don't think about when we think of him um and that moment I think really helped give him confidence to to then and end up when he when he scored his goal with his, with that great turn etc I just felt his performance I'm not saying he was like man of the match or anything but he did enough and early enough on to you know I mean I'm a doubter in a way you know he's definitely not Gabriel Jesus but he did perfectly well in that role. And, you know, I'm now not worried about him, if you like. I'm not worried about the fact that we desperately, you know, I am not. I don't feel we desperately need a striker. I feel like he can perform that role and he showed that he could perform that role perfectly well. He did. You get the feeling he believes it.
1: Yeah. He's good enough to be a, an Arsenal striker. And the club must believing it enough to give him a five-year deal when they did. That was, you know, a, a point where there's an opportunity for him to to leave the club. But you felt the club wanted him to stay and saw something. Everyone's said the obvious. He looks more physical. He looks stronger. But certainly it's the first time he's been asked to play 90 minutes of Premier League football this season. I, I wonder if he even played 90 minutes in any of those games towards the end of last season. I'll, I'll check shortly. But... I think he's got the he's got the confidence. You you it looks like he's very, very popular amongst all the um other players, and that we can get through this month. And let's not forget, Gabriel Jesus wasn't scoring every single game mm. before we, we dropped off. So if Eddie can put in these seven, eight out of ten performances, um he he did some really neat link up play, held the ball well, troubled defenders, just just put in a very solid performance and The goal gets better every time you look at it. That He's being clever, as they analysed on Match for them, which I watched when I got home, how he's feeling for the defender. And he takes the defender by surprise in the way that he goes. And the finish is sublime into the side netting in in the place you would be taught where to go and put that ball to score a goal. So, yeah, you're right. I think he's... um, It's good, isn't it, that he's coming to a team. All right, we've had a break the team are top of the league and they're flying and they're confident maybe some of those games towards the end of last season it wasn't quite there was it when he was being asked to sort of play you know up front and Lacazette had just run out of batteries and everyone knew he's leaving the club and we were just struggling to get over the line and had some really difficult results and generally the morale in the team just you know obviously was going to be impacted so for him to come in when everyone's full of confidence, top of the league, it's just it's just brilliant. And uh yeah, we we'll, we you know we we go now with confidence that he can get us through this month, or it might be a little bit
0: longer. Mm. Rick, what did you think of him? I I, I I did. I think in the first half, just to say that I think there were definitely moments where his decision making was a bit it was just that little m- microsecond off. Like he could have, you know, it took slightly too long sometimes to make. But generally. What did you think of him? And I thought NKT had a very good game. I think I think he's actually
2: quite an intelligent player. and I think he always, he often chooses the right option. He just doesn't have, you know, he's not almost had into playing the squad, but I thought he had a good game. I do think West Ham's defence wasn't and isn't great, but I do disagree that we, I think we really do desperately need to sign a striker. I think we needed to sign a striker before because, um, you know, we've got obviously Europe coming up you know, in the not-too-distant future, we've got FA Cup, which I'm very happy to, you know, the way things are going. I wouldn't uh, begrudge Arteta if he sort of said, no, 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 forget forget everything other than the league right now, um, depending on how the next uh, month or so goes. But I um, I think we need to sign a striker because we can't rely on Nketiah to play 90 minutes every single week. He'll, pick up an injury or just the very simple fact that you know it can happen on Saturday against Brighton we need a goal with 20 minutes to go and we just don't have any we don't have anything resembling a striker at the moment really um, who isn't already starting the pitch assuming that you know if you've got Martinelli I guess is the next closest thing we need I think we really need a striker and, I, and we haven't really been linked to anyone other than obviously um Madrid, Madrid um, who sounds like a winger Um and I do worry if we don't sign a striker because I think even even I I thought when we had Enketa and Jesus, we needed another option, maybe a different kind of player. Um and I just can't see how you know, there will be games where we are chasing gold. And we've, you know, we've had it, I guess, twice this season against Southampton and um and Man United, where we've dropped points and we haven't been able to turn those games around. Obviously we have turned others, you know, we've scored late goals against um Fulham, which comes to mind and um I'm sure there have been others. But you know, with, with Nketia starting every single game, we don't have another option off the bench to, to come and change the game. Yeah, it's just I think we have another ju-
1: option in, in the on, team, on. though, don't we? I did. There, there is the option to play Martinelli um, up front, and we've got other players that could come in. So I feel there is an option. Don't get me wrong. The, I, th- I think Eddie Nketia has has surprised everyone to an extent and probably shown a better level of performance and ability than a large part of the fan base thought. Of course, we could still get a, a better striker. We could we could upgrade. I just feel that having invested all the money they did in Gabriel Jesus, believing in Eddie and Ketia, I think the investment is going to go elsewhere. Although what I, what I do understand, and, and people seem to say around the club and those that are slightly know, is that there is genuine chance of investment here in January. I just don't think it's going to be necessarily as a striker, but I think there is investment coming. I th- maybe I with really the confidence every week that goes by that the Champions League feels more and more that it'll be a hell of a drop-off now. So you can invest with a bit of um, yeah. confidence in a way you just could not have imagined in August that they could think that they'd be so confident of at least Champions League football and how maybe that does accelerate what you can do in January in a way that you might have waited to see how you
2: how you do do. That's, um, yeah, I think that's a really good point. The fact that the club has to almost have... Why now on the fact that we should have Champions League money come come the summer? I think last season we were in a similar position, but we'll be chasing fourth and the club didn't go for it. I think they could have, you know, signed a striker um, and or maybe in another position where we said, right, we back ourselves. If we bring in one, maybe two players to uh, to make the top four we didn't do it. And I think there's a very good chance, and I know a lot of, you know, you're seeing a lot of this on the on, uh, punditry and whatnot, that there's a very good chance that this is the best, opportunity for us to win the league in you know we're not going to have enough opportunity like this because city can get stronger liverpool will get stronger and some of the other clubs will as well and i'm not saying we're going to win the league but this is a chance where you think even if we got short term and there's talk of Man united not signing a striker for the long term they talk of getting a loan deal in even if we did something like that where it's just an option off the bench you know I, i'm not going to see him throw names because anyone can just you know throw names and with no sense of whether it's Practical, realistic, and slightest, but I like to think there is a player or players out there that the club thought, you know what, bring them in for six months, to the end of the season, even if it's a relatively heavy loan fee or whatever. We think, like I said, if you are chasing a game, you know, you can't break a, a Brighton defense down, something like that. Where you go, those three points, changing one point to three, or you know, something like that, is is massive. And like I said, you know, being eight points clear will City will, will most likely win this evening uh, being eight points clear and right I just you just think do everything you can to uh, to just keep keep this momentum going and not to because we didn't we didn't splash the
0: cash a bit not even
2: splash the cash spend some
0: money it seems it seems to be that they've decided that Modric is the is the player they want who as you say is a winger I mean he plays you know he plays all across the front line but not up front centrally He's not definitely not a striker. Put it that way, is he? And they seem to have decided. I do find it slightly mystifying, Josh, that they've seem that seems to be the plan, and there is no link with any striker whatsoever, as Rick says. Don't you think? I think it's slightly odd, and when, especially when as, as as you can like on the bench, we had that 21 year old, didn't we, against West Ham, um, a Mario Cosia Dubery. We didn't have any really options. Um, and it, look, when you consider Emile Smith Rowe presumably will be back at some point, you, you know, and is 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 you know can play wide or can play in the number 10, etc., but not a striker. I know Martinelli's an option, but it didn't go that well, did it, when we played him up front before, I would say, and slightly detracts from his brilliance out wide. So I think it's slightly odd that we're not linked with any strikers above the Lions.
1: Yeah, I think the 17 year old, is that right? The uh, cozier Jew. Oh, sorry,
0: 17. Yeah, what did I say? Yeah, Yeah, 17. Incredibly young. Yeah, incredibly young. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I think it just goes back to their their belief in in, Ketia. And there's only room for one really, you know, one, you know, out and out striker, you know, to, to play. I think we could see, you know, Gabriel Jesus, as he did at Manchester City, play out wide. But I don't think um that's what he was what he was bought for. So I suspect they feel that they've got two. This isn't a season ending injury from what we know with with Gabriel Jesus. I think they just believe that he's um that the can get us through, and they must have analysed that. And Arteta has been so clear, as is everything coming out of the club, that they will make investments if they feel, you know, only if they feel it's, you know, the right price and will improve the squad and make a huge difference. And Maybe they don't want another out and out striker, and if they do, what does that do to Eddie Nketiah? You know, there's opportunities as soon as Gabriel Jesus is back. So I can I can believe that we won't sign another sort of out and out striker. Um, you're right, the Martinelli. I don't think we get the best out of him playing um, as the sort of sole one up top. But um, yeah, I, I, I disagree. I, I don't see a striker coming in, and, and the noise is sort of coming out you know, would would go with that. But there has been so much talk um about Mudrak and this slightly weird thing. I don't know if you saw it on his Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I mean, brilliant how the modern day footballer yeah. tries to use PR to spin a bit of love towards a club and, you know, issue a, a come and get me plea. But it, I don't know, you know, what's coming out from the journalists is that the price... Um where Arsenal are at and where Shatkar are at is, is pretty different. So we we'll have
2: to see how that result. I think also, um my guess would be that Mudric was always part of the plan, and that hasn't necessarily changed because of the injury. Maybe they've accelerated slightly, but signing a 21-year-old fits in with all the other signings we've made in the last couple of years. And I don't think they've gone, oh Jesus is injured, we need to sign this guy. It's like by the sound of things, we were, you know, linked with him in the summer mm. maybe because of the injury we've accelerated but I don't think that is, you know it's not a panic buy but whether we will could or should make somewhat of a not a panic buy but just a move because of Jesus' injury I, I think we should I think because I agree Josh I think the backing and catcher is fine I had n- little to no issue with that it's just you can't I know, I know Jesus wasn't scoring goals, but I think to have another option, and Ketchu was an option on the bet off the bench if Jesus wasn't, you know, scoring off we needed a goal. Now we just don't have that. And I think that's where we could come unstuck. Um, but I don't think he's the only player we need. I don't think he's just a striker. We everyone talks about it, but we probably need another or we do need another centre midfielder. Um, yeah. there are other positions which we could probably do with strengthening. You know, um, I think had Saliba not played the other night, we would have had to have played Rob Rob Holding. The center back and that also would have been an issue i think so um you know we can't rely on an 11 every single week and we are veering towards that because if you look at our bench the other night and it's been like this for a while obviously without smith row there it isn't it isn't very good um and that could, yeah the bench was yeah, was probably. pretty
0: weak wasn't it Yeah, we have to say especially yeah it's more i i, I agree with rick i think i think we need to sign a strike even before the hole Gabriel Jesus thing. I, th- I just feel it feels like the the area where we are light up front. And I don't think it's a case of not wanting to kill, you know, um, Eddie. It's more, yeah, what if we, we just haven't got much backup? We haven't got many options. Well, we've got, you know, the Martinelli option, but I'm not sure if that's enough. So it just feels like, I don't know, if there's a young ish, you know, early 20s out and out striker out there, they should be trying to find him. It's interesting because the head, I was just looking at the headlines actually from after the, um, Press conferences, etc., after the game, the West Ham game, and a lot of the headlines are stuff like Mikel Arteta says we can afford, can we can buy a striker in the transfer window? He'd like to strengthen the squad. There's a lot of references to him, basically saying he would quite like to buy a striker. But then you read the articles, and it's actually he doesn't actually say that at all. He kind of says we can spend the money if we want, and you know we definitely want to strengthen the squad. But so I, I, I yeah, it doesn't feel like that the striker issue is going to be. Dealt with particularly. Um, we should take a break and talk about some of the amazing performances. I want to talk about two incredible performances against West Ham, particularly after this break. And we're back. Um, The two performances that just kind of felt absolutely heartwarming and thrilling and exciting to me in the game against West Ham were Odegaard, who absolutely was extraordinary. His passing, 93%, I think, was his pass rate. Um, And a lot of those passes were really ambitious, clever, deft little touches that were fantastic. And Bakaya Saka, I mean... Like the debate a few weeks ago, pre World Cup, and you know, even even like about a month ago, or whatever was, you know, are we playing him too much and it's going to be he's going to be exhausted? And I think there was there were stories that he might be rested even coming back from the World Cup because he had like you know just to deal with the whole England going out as they did, etc. Like mentally have to deal with it, but he was absolutely fucking brilliant, wasn't he? I thought against West Ham, um, scored the disallowed goal, etc. Just looked brilliant. I think he's so good now. And he was so brilliant in the World Cup, wasn't he, for England? I I feel like he's an absolute world-class player now and just doesn't seem to be affected by injuries. You know, I'm saying this, you know, touch wood. But he recovers so well. He's fouled an incredible amount, as he was against against West Ham. He recovers instantly. I just think we've got an I think we have an even better, even more remarkably good play, gifted player than I think we thought we had. That's my feeling. Rick.
2: Completely agree. I think the guy's unbelievable. Um, love him to pieces. Erdogan too was great. Yeah, I can't really disagree with the word with the word you said. I think uh the sooner we can tie is it him, Martinelli and Saliba down to contracts, the the better. Um because yeah, I mean, just it's just magnificent to watch and he's just so loved. Um just like like the rest of the team in fairness, I think every, this is by far and away the most popular team we've had in goodness knows how long. But yeah, it's just what well, you know, you run out of words to say about Saka it's just everything about him is just brilliant.
0: On um, Prime Video, they had uh, Thierry Omri, was was a pundit. He was on fantastic film, but like took over the whole broadcast almost, I felt, from Gabby, Gabby Logan. Um, and when after the game, when they grabbed Zaka for an interview and he hugged him so tight and for so long, I was like... He loves him. Like, he just, like, I was, was so fantastic, the extent to which Thierry Omri was more excited about getting a hug from Bikai Saka than the other way around, from absolute Arsenal legend. It was so funny. I think, Josh, there's something... I think because he's of the weight of his physique, like, he still looks so young. He looks basically 14 years old. He has quite a slight-ish physique. I know he's, like, actually, Thierry Omri made a... kind of, kind of um, grabbed his muscle, grabbed his bicep. It was like, oh, you you're doing weights and stuff. Like, you know... But he still looks so young, doesn't he? To me, like I think you under, he, I think we underestimate, or the world underestimates, maybe has underestimated until now, how brilliant he is and can be because he doesn't have that physique necessarily. That he looks like he could be a world-class, legendary forward for the next for, for the rest of his career. But I do feel like it's getting that way.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. He is twenty-one years old. He's played over a hundred Premier League games for. Arsenal, you know, at, at the age he is. He's, he's now up to 24 England caps and one of the first names on the England team sheet. And on that note, it was so lovely being at those England games in Qatar and feeling like there is a really special Arsenal talent at the heart of what England are doing. And I'm not sure Arsenal have really had that for England, probably since Jack Wilshire. When he was sort of, you know, everything that that he was, and then you you probably go back, you probably have to go back to Ashley Cole to find a at the time Arsenal player who walked into an England team and and felt, you know, so in, integral to everything that that England were doing. So I even think probably after the World Cup, he probably has got even more respect from fans around the country um, for what he's doing. But you're right, I think it's his physique, right? Here, how can you have a guy who's you know five foot ten? but who has has become so effective for everything Arsenal do and strong um and skillful and he's you know scoring goals um and has kind of become the poster boy for a very very good Arsenal side who are of course are top of the table and you're going to get more attention on you because of that so i think you're right i don't think people probably appreciated quite how special he was it took time for arsenal fans i think to to probably realize just quite how you know how special he was i mean it, the the breakthrough you know was was already three years ago and his breakthrough was our you know pretty much our teta being the one to to show such you know huge faith in him you know so um it's it's lovely to see thierry i thought i also watched a lot of it back thierry was terrific um, you're right, probably did jump in and, and just sort of take the show in the direction that, that he yeah. wanted. But, you know, yeah. he's Thierry Henry. He can he yeah. he can he can do that. Oh, yeah. Gabby um, was fine with it. It reminds Gabi you, was. doesn't it, Thierry uses us and he yeah. loves Arsenal so much and you just know that he wants to see Arsenal succeed. And if Arsenal are to win a Premier League this year and we have to start saying it's feasible and possible, you know, Bakaya Saka is going to be the
0: most important player to it, isn't he? So... I think what he's at. I I, I I'm going to blow my own trumpet as I often do. But before the World Cup, remember there was that debate. There was a, a little bit of a debate: Do we want our best players to go to the World Cup and be played, you know, all the time and be knackered, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, or be possibly be injured? I think, and I remember my feeling was: Let them have a brilliant time in the World Cup. It could be the making of players, and I think it's actually the making of Bikai Saka even more so than the pre the Euros. And everything that he's done for us so far, his finishing, his goals in the World Cup were absolutely brilliant. And I do think, I feel like his confidence has gone sky high now. Like that's feels, feels the difference to me, Rick. That that the goals he's scoring, that is that is a slightly new element. You know, the the finishing is fantastic, and and to see him becoming, you know, f- fending off. All, you know, the one play, the one area where England is so strong is all the wide players we've got, all those creative. They he to fend them all off, and clearly to be. The number one choice, you know, for Gal Southgate is phenomenal. I'm so excited about it about him. I think it's incredible.
2: No, yeah, completely. Though so we have to have you to blame for Jesus getting injured. Then, if
0: you um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, on right. the other side, you're yeah. right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, true.
2: No, like I said, I yeah, love love Saka so much. It's absolutely brilliant. I did I did realize that I was wrong earlier. I said we're eight points clear. We're actually seven points clear because Newcastle are now in second. Yes. So, yes. Um,
0: yeah, we're we playing. Uh, yeah.
2: week or so, so yeah yeah
0: that'd be yeah. very interesting yeah that would be fascinating and what about Odegaard I mean Odegaard you know he's just he re- again like the what maybe issues with him are you know goal scoring up until now I mean you know and pass, maybe and imposing himself on a game. I mean he fucking imposed himself on that game didn't he?
2: Yeah again I thought he was I thought he was just absolutely brilliant. Uh, there were, there was obviously that scale wave on um, the the touchline um during the second half where he sort of did a great turn and got past two West Ham players. Um, and yeah, the crowd loved that. I think, I think, yeah, he was great. I mean, his I, you know, I've watched the Amazon documentary and he definitely didn't seem like a player that you'd say, oh, he's definitely going to be the captain. I'm not mm. sure you heard his voice during the whole, the whole yeah. series, but he's clearly a player that leads by example. You know, there's all different kinds of captains. And I don't really care for captains too much. I don't think it makes much of a difference, but he does seem to be leading by example on the pitch. And yeah, brilliant. I, I, the thing is, I think again, it was one of those games where nearly every player was really good. I thought Cheney maybe struggled a little bit in the first half. I had a better yeah. second half. I the yeah. only two players that maybe were a slight wobble were the centre backs. I think you know you've, they're very young, and I think you'll get that. Obviously, Saliba wasn't wasn't great for the goal, um, but he's whatever nineteen or whatever he, however old he is, and that happens. And I think when you've got two inexperienced centre backs, you're not going to get faultless performances every week. But as a whole, again, like Jacker and party, it's just you know fantastic. Yeah. Um, I thought they both play well, um, especially Jacker in the second half. Obviously, uh, got the assist for Martinelli's goal. But yeah, I, again, it's one of those games where you sort of you know come away thinking, yeah, another great team performance. Everyone played really well. I just, again, I said it at the beginning, I just was so impressed by the way that one nil down at halftime against West Ham, who who are not. Pause. I know they're not doing well this season and just to turn it around in that fashion where it was, was almost made light work of it when it could have so easily been yeah. a difficult game um, yeah. was fantastic you know, for us to be relaxed going into the last 15 minutes you just would not have thought that at half time you wouldn't
0: have thought it for a second I think So yeah, yeah the way well, the way we play now I do feel like yeah there's just there's a machine like quality like a Man City style possession football you know not giving the ball away being very patient, and yet when we need to, like stepping it up, and I just feel like all the options we have, you know, when we when we approach the penalty area of the opposition, even if if even if they, you know, they're lying deep, was that as West Ham did do for a lot of the game and let us have possession. We I, you do feel we'll find a way to score, and that is a massive change. Like I couldn't see that happening. <laughs> that the way, and again, it has to be credit to Arteta. I mean, incredible. And things like Ben White. I mean, Ben White, like imperious with the ball, I thought. You know, I mean, again, clearly like so happy to be back with Arsenal and clearly not a man who enjoys um, uh, being in an England cap with no possibility of playing a game. He um, just seems so, you know, just again, just he's so good on the ball. And defensively was great as well. Um, I do think, oh, the, I guess, the. I mean, we, we we have to address the fact, don't we, that we are, we can win this thing. I mean, no. Man City could. Man City, obviously, they're going to go on a run, and they will. They are going to be, you know, they're going to be winning every, almost every single game, etc. But such is the position that we're in, and the amount of points ahead we are of people like teams like Liverpool, who are starting to come good, sure, and United, who are doing okay, but and Spurs, of course. But we can fucking win this thing, can't we, Josh? Oh, Rick. No, I think we can, uh, and I think you can't
1: just endlessly start saying oh it's you know cities and their squad who good and Haaland. most bookmakers now have us about two to one nine to four it's not a big price I mean it's been a long time since we were that kind of uh price for the Premier League Man, United, Man City are going to be favourites rightly so but every game that goes by takes us nearer and Brighton, Newcastle, Spurs. It feels like you know, you know, Man United basically, after that, right? and then Man United. We, we'll be at the halfway point when we are to the Man United game. If we're still in front, say three, four, five points at the halfway stage, you, you, you have to. I mean, at what point do you start? You know, if you're not going to believe then, then, then when do you believe? Um, I think mm. so. It's not just. That we've got there and there have been points over the last few years where maybe we've accumulated more points than than you thought we would at, at, at certain points and you think back to that, that run even under an Emery this feels so different it feels like we deserve to win the games even if we go behind there was no panic it, it wasn't like the stadium was nervous or the tutting there was an immediate response from the crowd and you now see a manager who, at half time, as rookie articulated earlier, can change it very quickly. Can can get into those players that when they do have twenty minutes for a second half, suddenly you're three one up, and you you know you, you can't almost believe that you were, you know sat there at half time twenty minutes ago behind. So yeah, uh, we can win it. Do you think we will, Boyd? Do you, you you think we will right
0: now? Um. Oh, I mean, that's a, that's no, I still can't quite. Huh? That's that's what. That's a no, no. yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I feel like it would be disappointing now to be like third, even, you know, like I I feel like we should really, it would be a, a, a fantastic triumph to come second. I just feel, you know, City, it would be insane with City, with the squad they've got. You know, I mean, it's and the strikers they've got, I mean, talk about having, you know, they've got like, you know, two two of the best strikers in the world. You know, their their backup striker was like one of the best players in the World Cup, you know, who we weren't even thinking about because their main striker is the best striker in the world, etc. So for all those kinds of reasons, it feels ridiculous to think that we that we would beat them particularly. Um, But it's possible. You know, it's possible, isn't it? And and we are in a position where it would be, historically, it would be weird now if we don't at least come really close to winning it, such as the position we're in. Yeah, I think I think if I'm honest,
2: I think, I don't want to say we've got no chance, but I think that there's very little chance of us winning the league, because I even when I look at those four games on paper, the next four games on paper, to get, you know, nine yeah. points would be fantastic and if you line those games up for City you'd think yeah 12 points they will just win those games um you would never think City would drop points against Brighton or Newcastle at home Brighton away obviously and I think there's many Arsenal fans that think both those games would be tricky and understandably so then of course there's Spurs and we haven't played City yet this season and you know I can't remember the last time we picked up any points off them so I think yeah that um yeah, you know, I, I think it's incredibly unrealistic to think that we will win the league. Um, because not only do we have to play our optimum every single week, I think we're just again, I've alluded to it quite a lot of times, but I just think our squad's too thin, it doesn't have the yeah. quality right the way through it. We have a good first eleven, and I think the drop off is too big. So I don't I don't really think we do have a chance. And I'm I'm sort of just enjoying it whilst, you know, we're in this position because it is it's great fun, if nothing else. You know, it's great fun when you beat West Ham at home, you're ten minutes to go and you're sitting Top of the league, and you just think this is this is so enjoyable, and long may it continue. But I don't, I don't think we've got a chance of actually winning the league.
1: Yeah, and and just while it does go on, the atmosphere remains incredible. Game by game, and we've all seen the videos online of Ashburton Army and the um, the flares under the tunnel as you approach the stadium. It's it's, it's quite impressive. We don't sort of have to sort of really look twice to make sure this is outside the Emirates and this is going on as Arsenal sits over the table. So the atmosphere is is as good as it can be um, and will only, you know, as good as it can be in the current climate. And you just want that to continue. And you, the, the one thing, um, you, you know, Boyd, I, I I was lucky to be very randomly in, in Dubai for most of the time. Yeah. So I wanted to ask oh, you about that. And, yeah. yeah. And very strangely for part of the time I was in Dubai, I was in the same hotel by complete chance as where Arsenal were staying for, um for that period. And I, I didn't get too busy. You know, talking, had a very brief chat with Mikel Arteta. Um, oh. and and the one thing that I took from the conversation with him was that genuinely the connection that they feel that he feels, or his staff feel between the supporters and the players is is unbelievable. And they know it's brilliant and they feel it in the stadium. And I guess Mikel has has been there as a player when it definitely wasn't like that. They've been there as a manager when he took over when it wasn't like that. They've been there through COVID when there were no fans um, and they appreciate it so much. And the one player who I did have more of a conversation with um, and probably the only player I really spoke to properly for maybe let's say 15 minutes at breakfast one day was Matt Turner, um, uh, who was just the biggest delight and clearly really well-educated and smart and enjoying being part of, you know, Arsenal and, you know, had a good World Cup or be it, you know, ending, you know, in the round of 16. And he said that he, um, that he appreciates it too, that, that you know, they have kind of heard, he's got nothing to compare it to, but that he's been told, you know, I guess by staff, by, you know, all the people that are at the club, how special it is at the moment. Um and it makes a huge difference. I think there were you know we it's not that long ago when we we can think back to moments of the Emirates where it was horrid where where it was tutting and and booing and I don't I think maybe supporters underestimate the difference it makes when when professional players are going out to play um in those environments and it it was nice to know how much you know Mikel acknowledged it and he wouldn't have had a clue for example that I go home home and away I didn't you know start going into details but he was like yeah even the game at Wolves just before we went away the away supporters were as good as I've ever heard them and you know it's incredible we need to we need to keep that connection going every week every week
0: um so it's so were you, appreciated. Were you wearing Arsenal uh, gear was that, or did you just did you t- did you tell Mikel and uh, Matty no, Turner that you're I in Arsenal? No, I was literally on the beach
1: with my wife and my daughter and we'd gone about is all the way to let's say the side like if you somewhere you might go if you didn't want to be disturbed just because it was where the shade was and you know our daughter and she you know just wanted mm. to play and whatever. He came over with uh, is it Carla, the young coach who came across very well in the documentary? The oh yeah, yeah. Is it Carlos yeah. or Is it? So yeah. they were together, and I was thinking, what is the etiquette of trying to talk to someone, you know, on yeah. the beach? Um, didn't ask for a photo. I thought that might be pushing on the beach when you're talking to your your football club's manager who's only got swimming trunks on. But uh, <laughs> he was lovely, and uh, Reiko is. I didn't. I definitely didn't bother him for very long. Um, But I wasn't wearing anything else. I just said, I, you know, I'm a supporter and, you know, enjoying this season so much. And he's making us all incredibly proud. And this team are the most likable that we've had in, in so many years. And, you know, congratulations on everything they're doing. And, you know, we can't see how to the rest of the season unfold. But he Wait, was lovely. And podcast. you could see that the, the squad love him. Um, And even as other players were coming and going and talking to him and, he, you know, with their wives or girlfriends, and he knew everyone and he was... You know, you couldn't help but overhear. He just real class about him and respect um that everyone has about him. Um, what well, are you yeah. saying, Rick? That, funny that being Josh, the Josh should have asked him. Because... Josh should Sorry, have
0: asked yeah. him to come on the podcast. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I didn't I assume, ask I him. It's to come. arranged. So funny you shared the breakfast
1: buffet? because they, yeah, they were all dressed in their Arsenal gear as they came down and oh, what public a dream. breakfast buffet. That they are all just the. Uh, just, just going and and taking from, and we had a lot of very young players. It looked like there were just a bunch of players on like a school trip, yeah. effectively, really excited
0: by by being on this. By being well, on that, this trip. that Carlos Cuésta, you talk about, he looks also looks like about an eighteen, doesn't he? Like, what is that, he? He's like he's late twenty. Yeah, he's so eloquent and clearly, but yeah, he looks like a kind of. I mean, he's a very handsome young man as well. It's like that. Uh, fascinated. He's a fascinating figure as well. Yeah. But how I want to ask you about your World Cup experience as well, how it was for you, you know, going to the games and how, you know, whether you, what your whole feeling was about it.
1: Yeah, I I went in from Dubai three different times on the day of the England Wales game, England Senegal, England France, and a bit of bit of work to see a few few people and and then really to enjoy the games as a fan from the hours before and the hours until. I don't feel I saw the real Qatar if I'm honest, and I didn't go looking for it equally. Mm. I, there was a bit of a red herring about this beer thing that was, before I went out, you know, there was a lot more made of it than, than maybe needed to be. Every five-star hotel that had a restaurant bar on it, where you could feel like you were effectively in a bar or pub and could have kind of been anywhere in the world apart from you're paying a fortune for the alcohol but you're on holiday and you it's all a different currency a number and you just pay it and get on with it um so that respect of it it felt really normal um and then I don't know maybe I'm not like a massive drinker in the stadium anyway um Mm. but probably would have had a beer in a world cup environment but I don't know. I didn't really begrudge Qatar not serving beer at the game if, if that's what they didn't want to do. It was just obviously a strange one that it, that it happened so late. I can't say I thought it was the best football experience as a fan, unless you were sat with the England fans behind the goal in the England fans section. The experience was very exhibition game friendly at the England games I went to. Um, and in that respect, probably wasn't enjoyable as other world cup experiences because the locals that had the majority of the tickets i don't think really cared I, I never felt like i was around so many people desperate to just have a selfie or like live streaming the game to people or calling people during the game just to tell them they were at the experience so that was quite weird you're trying to feel quite mm. invested in an england game at the world cup but like a load of people around you are just turning around doing selfies during the game not watching the game you know not that bothered seemingly about the game so thankfully for england france came i was sat in the england fan section right behind the goal and that felt like a really sort of good football um experience but loads of people i spoke to who, who weren't sort of sat in those sections i think felt similarly that it wasn't quite quite the same um but look was well organized plastic world cup yeah
0: sorry yeah. Like a plastic World Cup, a bit. Yeah, a way, like
1: yeah. It. I think you know, yeah. fake, right? But um, yeah. that's kind of that region. Look, I was on holiday in Dubai. Dubai is kind of similar, right? Like it's a kind of yeah strange fake existence. But it look, it was amazing. It was thirty degrees and it was sunny and it was well organized. And the times where I took transport there, it was flawless and quick and clean. And the they were doing these shuttle flights, thirty shuttle flights a day from Dubai to. Doha because there wasn't enough accommodation in in Doha, so they were getting people in and out the country. Everything like that was logistically impressive, mm. and uh, it's still a it's still a fascist regime, I should say, obviously. Yeah, is
2: it <laughs> is it Josh? Is it fair to say that it missed an England fan sticking a fair up their ass to really? Yeah, get the atmosphere? Yeah, yeah, I was yeah.
1: tempted to take one for the team, but um, <laughs> just at <to> the last, <laughs> that would have been talked out of it. No, look, it, I I'm glad I went because it was supporting England at the World Cup, and i am lucky I've been to the last three or four. World Cups for South Africa, Brazil, Russia, and Al Qatar. And I love the experience of going to the World Cup. Um, what else came across is that we really pissed off the region as the British media, just talking to fans of other other countries. There was a real feeling of like, who are England and the British media to lecture the world on one behaviour, because what happened at your tournament last year, and also British history that has a few... Yeah. Uh, Elements of uh, uh, blotches on the notebook, shall we say? And there was a real feeling of like disgust at the at the British media um, of of how they're portrayed. And you know, to so the neutrals who were watching that England France game, I feel they were all with France from that region. There was a real, you know, very happy to seeing Germany and England go home. Who I think were the two countries that they felt the media had had so much on and clearly the protests about the armband that that had been so focused on so um that had got through to the region with you know we, we yeah
0: i mean i think that's interesting that's interesting I, mean, I personally feel like good i'm glad i pissed off you know because yeah. did you, you think know, about they're...
1: like not watching it boyd or or, or no you because
0: be i no, because I'm not strong enough to take that stand. Um, I'm too invested in. I love football and the World Cup too much to. I admire people who did take that stand, and I also think it's not our fault. My feeling was, you know, the World Cup was awarded in a corrupt process to this country by FIFA, you know, and it's not our, you know, it's not our fault that that happened, and we have to be able to take part in it and watch it, you know. But I do think that there's been a lot of kind of, you know, moral relativism. Shut, can I say? About people saying, "Oh, you know, it's it's um, racist to criticise the 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 society and the laws of Qatar because it's not our culture." That's bullshit. You know, they're, it's they're you know they're they um, unbelievable homophobia and um, that you know the 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 regime, this the the modern slavery, which is the basis of. I mean, we all know the issues. And I just feel like, yeah, of course, they, they should be angry and not not angry at us for highlights. them. angry, angry, you know, they're living in, they're living in that world. It's not, you know, it, it's, it's, it's awful. You, there was some good, I mean, we don't need to rehash the whole argument, but I did, I thought um, Queen Guna on Twitter, you know, uh, Sophia, she, she made, she, she did a really interesting thread about how she'd been treated as a black woman, black British woman over there and you know the the guy from the athletic there's some really stuff good stuff about how how, Adam Craft yeah Adam Craft was treated as well yeah I I read those experiences look I, I can't
1: relate uh I can't relate but I think it's important that people do look and and read about um those experiences and uh and make their own mind
0: was it my favorite World Cup ever definitely not um, watching it on TV, what, I have to say, I don't know what how Rick, Rick felt, but watching it on TV, here, I loved it. I mean, I have to say. So, you know, completely separating the actions, the politics of it, just as a TV event, having four games to watch, you know, like all day, um, and the final and the, you know, the quality of the England-France match and Bukaya Saka's goals and just generally the whole thing, you know Roy Keane and Ian Wright and Gary Neville on ITV and our friend Mark Pougatch, by the way. You know I don't like I'm not slagging off the BBC, but they were by far the best panel there as well. All of it, all of that, and the final was so was literally one of the best games of football I've ever seen. So from that point of view, it was incredible. I absolutely loved it.
2: Can I actually agree with everything you said before about the whole World Cup and whatnot with regards to watching yeah i think um the majority of it was very good a couple of dud group games but you often get them and i think the second round actually went oh uh, yeah. was was really poor and no one really seemed to mention that but that's you know you often get a, a really good first seed against a poor second seed and that can often happen from the quarterfinals onwards the football was i mean some of the matches were were absolutely fantastic it would have um you know it would have been nice to see england beat france obviously. obviously but um i think overall it was it was a really exciting to one of
0: them. Yeah. We should uh, get towards predictions. Now, one thing I did want to say is I'm um, talking of, of England. Bukai, I loved seeing, which was also on the um, the coverage on uh, Amazon Prime, was do you see the bit where Saka was talking to Declan Rice and they're having quite a long chat? And I do feel like Declan Rice, um, having interviewed him for the magazine Circle 08, definitely would come to Arsenal if he made a high enough bid in the summer. He loves Bakayi Saka. And I think he and his interview after the game, after the West Ham game, he basically said we are good enough to win the league. He was really like strongly yeah. affirming. It was quite unusual for a player, and more often opposition players when they're asked that kind of question go, "Well, I'm not, you know, I'm not here to talk about that. Them, um, it, we're just worried about us." But he didn't. He entered into a full discussion about how good he thinks Arsenal are right now, which I thought was uh, heartwarming. And yeah, he to have did. He to get in line there, was- Boyd. Yeah, I know everyone wants it, but why not? Why not we should I f- I feel like we should bid for him. We should try and get him. It would be we you know, we've got a brilliant midfielder, imagine having another fantastic world-class midfielder for the future.
1: You just want to, you're just in Christmas spirit. I am. I just want to go trying. shopping and just yeah. buy loads of yeah, uh, <laughs> lo- loads of things. No, um, the therapy. It was it was very really sweet to 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 see Declan Rice. And I think he was basically honest that Arsenal were too good. And that you know, West Ham have put up a good fight in the first half, and then you know, been smothered basically. Couldn't do, couldn't do a great deal of, about Arsenal's onslaught. Um, yeah, that that's um, that's fair, boy. We, you were just about to say Brighton, isn't it? Yes, we've got coming up. Yeah, um, New Year's Eve. Are you going? New Year's Eve, Five thirty. Is that is that sort of your perfect warm up for the it's good
0: festivities of the evening? It's good, especially because when you hate New Year's Eve as much as I do, it gives me an excuse to... I mean, it's terrible. Isn't it? I mean, who, you know, New Year's Eve, just the whole, the whole idea of it is a nightmare. What are you um, going to be doing for it? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be watching the fucking Arsenal game and hopefully just sitting down and celebrating for the rest of the evening. Maybe with some high-quality champagne or something. I don't know. Maybe with a couple of friends coming around to watch it and just stay and not have to do anything. That's my plan. Perfect. I have no other plan. How about Perfect. you? Um, I'll definitely be watching Arsenal and then yeah, I think I think
1: possibly out at, at some friends. Nothing too, nothing too crazy. But it's um yeah, 530. It's just about that Arsenal fans can get back, I guess, to London and, and do something for New Year's Eve if uh, if they wanted to. Um I don't know. This is um such an interesting game. Again, mm. the, you know, Brighton, you know, have, have started off obviously really well. That that victory at, at Southampton. But if Arsenal are going to go and win a league and we have to start talking like that, uh, it's a game, you know, it's a really obvious thing to say, but it's a game you really hope to to go and win. And hopefully they've got the confidence after coming back against West Ham. Because there was that part of me, as I'm sure there was with everyone going, what if we lose? What if we lose against West Ham? How quickly can this unravel? And then mm. oh God, we go to Brian and you can you know, it could be like within two, three weeks, suddenly we are second and we're dropping and then it all becomes about top four and nothing else. So, um, yeah, I think we can go to Brighton and win and I say we're going to win 2-1, board. Nice. Ricky? Yeah,
2: I'm going to say exactly the same as Josh. I'm going to
0: say 2-1. Oh. Okay. Um, I might go for a 2 or draw just to let, you know, I don't know, give me something. Yeah, I don't know yeah no. i'm gonna go for tool draw but it'll be fine you know we, we we you know we can lose some points It's not the end of the world um but yeah i think it'll be a good match it'll be exciting well um it's been fantastic to have you back thanks rick for joining us pleasure thank you as ever thank you josh for all of your this is the last podcast of the year so i guess we should is it yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, you've got
1: no plans from uh, 9 p.m. on uh on, <laughs> on New Year's Eve. We, in theory, we could do it then, but I think we'll
0: leave it to the following day. I <laughs> might, yeah, might insist on it. Um, yes. Thank you so much for everything uh, to everyone, to all the listeners, to all the guests, mainly to Josh for sorting everything out every week. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's still going. How long are we doing this fucking thing? Um, I think I'm about eight years in
1: which right. means you're probably about yeah. 10 or 11 so yeah yeah we, we we go but this is going to be a unique one Boyd. this is could be the first one we win a premier league that we go together in, <laughs> and, and that I is know. joyous and you know the one thing i'm saying also i go away a lot right very lucky to still mm. find the time to to get away tickets and to go but i'm trying to encourage everyone in our in our friendship group and then obviously includes ricky we have to go this year. This could be the most special one. We'll want to have gone as all these away games come up. And, um, you know, we've got Tottenham coming up. And in February, I think we go to Villa and Leicester. I'm I'm going to make huge effort just to just to absolutely be there for as much as possible this year, um, away from home. And, yeah, let's hope 2023 is the year.
0: Well, Ricky said we can't win it, but, you know... <laughs> Uh, just, just slightly you know, said, sure remind you saying, I said Leicester would never win the league either so. yeah we all said that exactly. exactly so anything could happen it's exciting, it's brilliantly exciting thank you very much Rick, Josh and everyone and awesome. we'll see you in the new year bye if you want to advertise on or sponsor this show check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk
2: sports social podcast network